Welcome to the Faith Dialogue Podcast with your host, Pastor Ken Baer. Are you ready to swim in the deep end of the Bible pool or climb to the top of Faith Mountain? If so, open the eyes that see, those ears that hear, and a heart that is receptive. Get your cup of coffee and your Bible as we begin. So, today we're back in the book of Galatians. I want to thank you for uh, tuning in with us the last three or four weeks. We're still at the very beginning of the book of Galatians. It's still chapter one, although today we'll be finishing up chapter one. And I have an interesting topic for you today. Interesting topic. We're going to be in Galatians chapter one, verses 18 through 24. I have an unusual topic, and it's 15 days with Peter. 15 days with Peter. And it's taken from the verse that we're going to read. 15 days. Have you ever had anybody spend 15 days with you? I mean, that's a long time, right? I mean, I mean I'm not talking about family. I mean, family, kids, grandkids, that's one thing, right? Our son and our daughter-in-law lived with us for a couple of years. That was fine. We, that was their family. But somebody that's not family that comes and lives with you for 15, that's a long time, right? That's what they say about fish, right? <laughs> Guests are like fish. After three days, they start to smell. They start to smell. So, so 15 days. We're going to talk about that. It's an interesting passage, and people have speculated what Peter and Paul possibly talked about for 15 days. So I'm going to speculate today as well, and you'll see that my message is going to talk about the mysteries that Peter and Paul talked about. Peter and Paul talked about. You know, so last week, Pastor Paul, Pastor Hal spent some time in verses 11 through 17, and he talked about how, how Paul was uniquely called to be an apostle, uniquely called to be an apostle. I, I listened to Pastor Hal, he did a great job on that, and we're going to actually back up a little bit and cover some of those verses as well, just to get in context. But today we're going to be starting in verse 18, and it's in your bulletins as well as on the screen. And Paul says this, he says, Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him 15 days. 15 days, that's the, again the topic of my message today. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now concerning the things which I write to you, indeed before God, I do not lie. Afterwards, I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ, but they were hearing only, he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God in me. You know, this is an interesting account of the Apostle Paul. And he, he pauses here, and he wants to make sure that they understand the significance of it. You know, early in his ministry, Paul didn't go and seek out other people. Human beings, he calls them flesh and blood. He didn't seek flesh and blood to spend some time with them to find out about the gospel, but he was ministered directly by Jesus Christ. He was ministered by, to Jesus Christ. You know, it's interesting that Peter wanted to go, I mean, Paul wanted to go see Peter. You know, even today, people are drawn to see interesting and famous people. I remember when we lived in Nashville, it wouldn't be unusual 
really wouldn't be unusual at all to be able to be sitting at dinner and all of a sudden see Billy Cyrus, you know, a couple tables away. That would happen to us because we lived in Nashville where a lot of these country artists lived. You know, back a hundred years ago, there were some very famous people that went out of their way to not only meet each other, but became fast friends, fast friends. And they had really, they didn't know each other, but they sought each other out because they were, they were industrialists. And here we have a picture of Henry Ford, Thomas Edison, and Harvey Firestone. And they became good friends because they were famous people. I mean, they were probably the three of the most famous people of the age. They also had a guy named Burroughs that went along with him who was, a, who was a nature writer. We wouldn't think of nature writers today as being somebody famous. But back then, before Netflix and before HBO and before cable TV, naturalists that wrote about the wonders of the earth and the wonders of this planet uh, were very, very famous. So they would go camping. And they went camping to the Onirandex, and they went into South Carolina and North Carolina. And they had this in common that they were famous people. And they wanted to get to know each other. They they, they call themselves the, the vagabonds. And in fact, Henry Ford uh, would bring them up into northern Michigan, where Carol and I spent a lot of time in northern Michigan, because he loved Michigan. It's a beautiful place. And especially during the summer, you don't need air conditioning up there. You can go up there, and it's kind of cool. And they went up there. You know, they ended up buying Henry Ford and Thomas Edison became such good friends that they bought property and built houses on it in Fort Myers, Florida. Isn't that something? They became really good friends. You know, it was interesting that these people became good friends, and they called themselves the vagabonds. Now, it's interesting, the word vagabond is not something good. The Bible mentions it a couple of times. The first time is in Genesis chapter 4, talking about Cain and Abel. You know, Cain killed Abel, and this is what the Lord says about it. He says that Cain would be the, a fugitive and a vagabond upon the earth. A vagabond means somebody that has no place to live, a person that's always cast out of anywhere he tries to go, so he just has to, to live elsewhere. Now, so we turn our attention to Paul and Peter because they were famous, at least they knew of each other. They were both called to be apostles, but they were not vagabonds. They were fellow soldiers in Christ. They were brothers in arms. God had called them uniquely to preach the gospel. You know, likely for Peter and Paul, this, their experience, however, was similar to what drew Edison and Ford and Firestone together. So we have, let's go back a few verses to what Hal was talking about last week. Verse 15, so we get some context on this. Paul says this, he says, But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son to me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. And then we have our verse today, verse 18. It says, and after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him for 15 days. So we see the, the importance of what Paul's trying to teach us. He's, he was on the road to Damascus, and the Lord met him in a very unique way, right? Knocked him off his horse, said, Paul, Paul, why, why are you persecuting me, right? So Paul beca Saul becomes this apostle Paul. And the Lord ministered to him directly. He spends some time in Damascus, but then he spends three years in what's called Arabia in the Bible. Now, Arabia in the Bible means probably Jordan, probably Syria, maybe Iraq, that area. Northern, not south, but northern part. That's where Paul spent some time. And the Bible's unclear of how Jesus ministered to him for three years. 
whether, you know, Jesus was in his resurrected body, whether Jesus sat down and ate with him and had fellowship with him or would appear to him in a dream or whether every day about three o'clock in the afternoon, Jesus would spend some time with him. But Jesus spent uniquely quality time with him. We're going to find today that he spoke into Paul what we know as mysteries. These were mysteries that were unknown to the prophets. They were unknown to the Jewish people at the time. Now, a mystery means it's something that is now known, right? When you watch a, a, a mystery on TV, it's a whodunit, and we find out whodunit. That's what a mystery is. We find out exactly what the truth is. It takes a little, spec it takes a little bit of investigation, but after a little bit of investigation, we, we find out what the truth is. Paul says, I did not receive it from any man, or was I taught it? Rather, I received it by or through revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul makes sure that we know that he's not going to Jerusalem to talk with a group of people, but he's singling out Peter. He wants to speak with Peter. Paul even makes a comment, I did not confer with flesh or blood. Again, meaning that it wasn't people that he was talking to, that he was ministered to by Jesus Christ. So now after, after three years, Paul decides that he's going to go to Jerusalem. And you know, um, scholars have this fascinating, uh, this fascination about Peter and Paul because they're, they're quite different. In fact, we're going to see in chapter 2 that there's a little bit of a conflict between Peter and Paul, but that's a few years from, from this point. But what's interesting is that people are fascinated because they are they're such key people in the New Testament, but they're actually quite different when you think about it. They're really quite different. You know, between Peter and Paul, they wrote much of the New Testament. They really did. Um, we have the Gospels. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But those Gospels are basically the, the center character is Jesus Christ. It's about the life, the ministry, uh, the death, resurrection, ascension into heaven of Jesus Christ. That's what the focus is. And then we have the Acts of the Apostles. And if you were with us when we studied the Acts of the Apostles, we said the first half of the Acts of the Apostles focused on one individual, and that was Peter. And then halfway through, it transitions, and it's no longer Peter, but it's Paul. We say that Peter was uniquely called to be the apostle to the Jewish people, and Paul was uniquely called to be the apostle to the Gentiles. So these two, two men are both called to be apostles. They're both chosen by God, but they had uniquely different ministries. Isn't that interesting? Uniquely different ministries. And they're actually quite different people. Peter, after all, was a Galilean, okay? He was kind of a hard, we would think of him as a hard-drinking, hard, you know, a smoking, you know, Galilean fisherman. He probably didn't drink or smoke, but, but you know what I'm talking about. He was a fisherman. He was a, he was a man's man. He had rough calluses on his hands. He knew what it was like to, 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 to strip down and go out to the sea and to catch fish. He was a hard man, and he spent three years with Jesus. Paul, on the other hand, was an educated man, right? He talks about being a student of Gamaliel, okay, who was a very famous uh, rabbi at the time. He was a student of him. He was a Pharisee. Paul will call himself the Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a strict Jew, understood what that was. That's why he wanted to persecute the, the, the people that believed in Jesus as the Messiah, because as a Pharisee, he didn't understand how the Messiah who was supposed to sit on the throne of David, who was supposed to vanquish the enemies of, of, of Israel and reestablish the borders from, from, the, from the river Euphrates all the way to the, to the Nile River, how Jesus could possibly be the Messiah. So they were quite different people, but uniquely both of them were called. 
28% of the New Testament was written by the Apostle Paul. Uh, Peter, James, and, Peter, James, and John were part of the inner circle of Jesus. Peter was one of the leaders of the apostles. Peter was there when Jesus, we saw Jesus raise Jairus' daughter. He was there when Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was one of the three. He was one of the three that were there for, on the Mount of Transfiguration. When before the crucifixion, God glorified, the Father glorified Jesus and his, his garments shone like white. So that was Peter. And that's why Paul wanted to meet Peter. Paul wanted to be able to, to meet this man and be able to spend some time with him. So let's take a look at the scripture again and we'll revisit these 15 days after I get done with these scriptures. Paul says, Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him with 15 days. Now we don't have a lot of accuracy on exactly when this happened. Some scholars speculate it's within four or five years after Pentecost. Some say, no, it's maybe seven to ten years. It doesn't matter. The idea is this, is that, that Paul had not gone back to Jerusalem. The last time he was in Jerusalem, he was persecuting the saints. Now he's back in Jerusalem to visit with Peter. And he's come back and he says, it's amazing. You know, he spent some three years in Arabia and he had this gospel given to him by Jesus Christ. But now Paul returns back after he goes to, uh, to after, after spending time in Damascus. In verse 19, Paul continues back here. I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. You know, Paul is emphasizing for our benefit that he was there to see Peter. He wasn't there to confer with the other apostles, to be able to get some information from them. He already had the information from Jesus himself. He wasn't interested in trying to get information from them. He wanted to meet Peter, but he wasn't there to meet the other apostles. He does mention James, the Lord's brother. And I just want to mention this because if you weren't with us during the Acts of the Apostles, we talked a little bit about James. James was not a believer in Jesus Christ when he was growing up with Jesus. Jesus was his older brother. Now, there are some churches that don't understand that Jesus had four brothers and some sisters. He had, he had James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas were his four brothers, and the sisters, for some reason, are not mentioned, but uh, they're his brothers. Uh, some churches teach that, that most likely these were cousins, but they couldn't possibly be brothers. And the reason they get that is because there's some churches that teach what's called the perpetual virginity of Mary. Have you heard of that before? Some of our Catholic friends have, right? Um, the perpetual virginity of Mary, meaning that Mary not only conceived Jesus as a virgin, but then continued to live as a virgin throughout her life, that she always was a virgin. Now, here's, here's the thing. I mean, not only does the Bible say that these were brothers, and the word that's used there is Adelphia, okay? You know the word Philadelphia? Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love, okay? The brotherly love, that's the word that's used as brother. Uh, plus the thing is, is that people didn't get married so that one of them would remain a virgin. That just, that wasn't James' idea. I mean, that wasn't Joseph's idea, I'm sure. That wasn't his idea at all. This James became a believer in Jesus as the Messiah after the resurrection of Jesus. Some scholars speculate that what happened was that he actually saw the risen Jesus. That would do it, right? That would do it for you. If you saw the risen Jesus, that he rose from the dead, that would be convinced, that would be proof that Jesus had risen from the dead and he would be the Messiah. Let's go on to verse 20. Paul says, Now concerning the things which I write to you indeed, I, before God, I do not lie. That's an interesting comment, isn't it? That Paul would say, I do not lie. Does this mean that he was lying before? Or he's not lying now? I mean, if you were lying then, are you lying now? No. 
This is, a, this is a common saying. We say it today ourselves, don't we? Sometimes you're talking to somebody and you say, seriously, no, seriously, Peggy, right? I mean, that doesn't mean I wasn't serious before. It means I'm telling you something that I want to make sure you understand. You want to understand. Um, when we were in, in Mexico, we had to learn Spanish in order to communicate with our maids and with our friends and all of my coworkers. And one of the words we heard a lot, or phrases we heard a lot, was muy en serio. Muy en serio. I'm being very serious. Muy en serio. Jesus himself would say verily, verily, right? That means truthfully, truthfully. It doesn't mean that the other times he's not being truthful. He's making, making sure that you understand that you understand that what he's saying is, is truthful. Pay attention to this. Slow down for a minute and read it again because this is, this is serious stuff. This is, what, this is what Jesus is saying. On four occasions, Paul happens to say, I lie not, okay? So again, Jesus said, verily, verily, this is not that difficult to understand. Let's look at our final verses today. Verses 21 through 24. Paul says this, he says, Afterward, I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia. I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ, but they were hearing only he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith, which he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God in me. You know, think about the radical transformation in Paul's life. That, that radical transformation, you know, God not only knocked him off his horse, but then he was blind for a while. He had to reach around and be, he had to be led by the hand. But he became the great apostle Paul. You know, if we went around the room and talked to some of you, some of you have the same types of stories. Some of the things, these radical transformations of what God did in your life. It was B.C. and A.C., right? Before Christ and then after Christ. Christ made a change in your life. Now, some of you grew up in the church. You know, my kids, from when the time they were little, they were, they were in church. They were in Sunday school. My son was raising his hand to accept Jesus at five years old, at six years old. He kept raising his hand. Kept on raising his hand that he wanted to accept Jesus. They grew up in the church. But for some of you, you have these stories of this radical transformation that God changed your life. They said, he who formerly persecuted the church now preaches the faith of Jesus Christ. You know, things that had changed also for the believers. They had changed for the believers because they saw this Paul being transformed. And this is four or five years later. They were a small band, but now they've got a church and they've got fellowship. And there's some persecution that's going on. But the church is growing and there's more and more of these families that are coming to Christ. They're starting to understand who Jesus truly was. Now, in the time remaining, let's go back to these 15 days with Peter and speculate a little bit about what these two great men of God possibly talked about. The fact that they spent 15 days together indicates there was much to say, right? There was much to say. I mean, that's a long visit. The fact that Peter allowed uh, Paul to stay means that they wanted to talk together. They wanted to spend some time together. They enjoyed each other's fellowship, but I think both of them also spoke into the lives of each other. They had come from different perspectives. God had revealed different things to them, different mysteries. And Paul wanted to share that with Peter, and Peter wanted to hear it as well. So for your consideration, I propose these possible topics of the 15 days with Peter, and it's in your bulletin as well. I believe there were three things that they likely talked about. The first was the mystery of the church, the next was the mystery of the end of the age. And the third, the mystery of the blindness of Israel. So I'll address each one of these in turn. There's probably other things too, but I want to talk about these three. First of all, the mystery of the church. 
For each of these mysteries, we'll see that Paul himself reveals these as mysteries, things that were before unknown but have now been revealed. There were clues in the Old Testament, and the prophets may have seen them to some extent, but that now they've been revealed. And Paul will say that they were mysteries. So Paul writes, and I've got it up on the slide, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, mystery, that's that word, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read you may understand my knowledge of the mystery of Christ which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles, this is the point, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. So that's a lot of scripture, right? I mean, that's a, there's a lot of stuff in there. What's the point? Paul is saying this. Paul says, we didn't know this before. God's always had a chosen people. But the mystery is this, is that he would reach out to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles would be fellow heirs of the same gospel. We find out that Jesus, as the Messiah, died not only for the Jews, but he died for the sin of the entire world. Aren't you glad? If you look around, there's not too many Jews in here. There's a couple, okay? But there's not too many. Now, Jewish people have always been a part of the church, always been a part of the church. But uniquely, Paul was called to the Gentiles. Remember in the book of Acts, we said that Paul had much more success with the Gentiles than he did with the Jews. The Jews would push back. The Judaizers would say, wait a minute, not so quick. You still need to be Jewish. Paul said, no, it's by grace through faith in Christ, not of works, but it's because of what God did in you. This is a mystery because before, God had a people, the people of Israel. And it was through the people of Israel that God would bless all people. That's what the Bible says. That, however, the, the Messiah ended up dying for all men. Okay, You can say amen, by the way, anytime. I mean, this is, this, is, this is how we're grafted in. We as believers, as Gentiles, have been given this gift that we're now fellow partakers. We're included in this redemption that was reserved prior to that to just the Jews. Paul tells us this. He says, there's no longer Jew nor Greek. There's no longer slave nor free, neither male nor female. You're all one in Christ. That's Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. So Paul is telling us this is an amazing thing. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your background is. You can still be a part of Christ. The promises of God that God made for Israel, you can be a partaker in as well. That's the first mystery, the mystery of the, of the Gentiles. Next one, the mystery of the end of this age. So secondly, I can imagine and would be surprised if Peter and Paul did not talk about the mystery of the end of the age. And the reason I say that is because Paul wrote about it, and we'll talk about those verses as well, but Peter did as well. Remember in Peter where he says, you know, at the end times, there'll people that will be scoffing. These scoffers will come and say, where is the promise of his coming? 
Because ever since our fathers and grandfathers and forefathers died, they've been talking about he's coming back, but we haven't seen him come back, okay? But they forget, they forget this, that the promises of God are true, that God was able to create the heavens and the earth, and they were able to destroy the heavens and the earth. And if God was able to do that, these promises of God are true. Peter talked about the coming of the end of the age. So this is what, this is what Paul has to say. Paul says this. Paul says, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. We shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and the mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. That's 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 4. We've talked about that. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15. We've talked about that before. He calls it a mystery. In, this, in these scripture verses. Now, in chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians, he doesn't call it a mystery, but it's the same event. Paul says this. He says, I do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Christ. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who sleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words." You know, I love it that he ends with the words comfort, comfort one another with these words. That's our comfort, that Jesus is coming back again. You know, what's interesting is that this mystery of the translation of the church, of Christ coming back, uh, is often called, it's called the rapture. Now, the rapture comes from a Latin word, rapio, because the Bible was, was, was in Latin for almost 1,500 years. Because it was in Latin for 1,500 years, this word to be caught up, or to be translated, to be snatched, was rapio. This end of the age event, this rapture, catching up, uh, was never revealed before. It was revealed by Jesus to the apostle Paul, just as the first mystery, the mystery of the church, was unknown in the past. This was revealed to Paul. This is a wonderful mystery that all true believers should be looking forward to, and it truly should be a comfort now, considering the first two mysteries, the mystery of the church and the end of the age, let's now turn to an important truth, a mystery that Paul talked about regarding Israel. Remember, the first two have to do with things outside of Israel, right? Because God had a plan for the Gentiles, and then God was coming back for the church. But what about Israel? So the third mystery is the mystery of the blindness of Israel. The final mystery that I assume Paul and Peter discussed was this mystery of the blindness of Israel. The scripture clearly reveals that the people of Israel were chosen by God. We understand that, right? That the people of Israel, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, were God's people. That God had provided for them. He took them to the promised land. It was through the descendants of Abraham that the Messiah would be born, right? He would be born of the tribe of Judah, of the house of David. This, is, this was God's plan, that he had this chosen people. But remember, the Jewish people, 
welcomed Jesus as he came into Jerusalem on the donkey, right? The cold of a donkey on Palm Sunday, right? They said, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David, right? And they threw the palm branches down in the street. That was on Sunday. But by Thursday, Friday, they had changed their tune, right? Jesus had been arrested, and what they were yelling was, crucify him, crucify him, right? So the Jewish people had rejected Jesus, had rejected Jesus. And as a result, God was able to bring in the Gentiles. However, Paul reveals this mystery in this way, that God is God and his promises are true. In Numbers chapter 23, the Bible says, God is not a man that he should lie nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will not do? Has he spoken and will not make it good? You know, the prophecies of the Messiah, the prophecies of the Messiah sitting on the throne of David, the prophecies of the Messiah, I mentioned it earlier, okay, of stretching the boundaries of Israel from the river Euphrates all the way to the Nile River. The, the mystery of the Jewish people having their temple and all the nations of the world coming and worshiping the Messiah in their temple. All of those prophecies of the Messiah will come true. They will all come true. But right now, there is a partial blindness on the part of the people of Israel. This is what Paul says. Paul says, God has not rejected the people of Israel. There's a time. A time will be coming. Paul says this in the, the book of Romans. He says, For I do not desire, brothers, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. Isn't it interesting? On these mysteries, he often says, Don't be ignorant. Don't be uninformed. Okay? Doesn't mean you're stupid. Just don't be uninformed. There is a mystery. I want you to make sure you understand it. Lest you should be wise in your own opinion. That blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all of Israel will be saved. It is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. You know, Paul writes that all of Israel will be saved. And scripture is scripture. If it has been written, it will be fulfilled. Who is God that he would lie, right? That's what the Bible says. This scripture will be fulfilled. We know today that Israel is back in the land. That happened on May 14, 1948. But we also know that the heart of the Jewish people is still far away from God. Many of those were atheists, were agnostic. The people have not turned their heart towards God yet, but there will be a time when they do. In fact, Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10 says this. Zechariah says, And I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. They will look on me whom they have pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. You know, the Bible says that it will be, they will pour out on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, not New York City or Miami or London or Cologne, Germany, right? Or Athens, Jerusalem. Jerusalem will hear the word of the Lord. The Bible tells us that initially there'll be 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes, 144,000 that will be sealed by the word of the Lord. And they'll be preaching the gospel. After that, there'll also be two witnesses on the streets of Jerusalem that will prophesy for three and a half years on the streets of Jerusalem so that the people of Israel will hear the gospel. The scripture tells us that after these three and a half years, the, these witnesses will disappear. Now at the end, all of Israel will be saved, but there will be horrible persecution. 
a horrible persecution, the people of Israel will be persecuted. But at the end, those that remain will be saved. In the end, all of Israel will be saved. You know, my friends, God gave the Apostle Paul, as well as the Apostle Peter, a glimpse, a glimpse of what the end times look like. That's why Paul calls these all mysteries. Mysteries, they were things that were revealed to him at the right amount of time. Jesus revealed these mysteries to Paul so that we would understand how great God truly is. Paul says that these are things that are to, to comfort us. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. When you hear the Spirit of God calling you to receive salvation, Paul would say, don't harden your hearts and resist the call. You know, it's literally, Paul would tell you, and Peter would tell you, it's the difference between life and death. This was at the, the radical transformation in Paul's life. And Peter had it as well, a radical transformation because of the a Spirit of God. There will be a day when Jesus returns for his saints. Those that have died and those that have remained will be caught up together with them. You don't want to miss that day. You don't want to miss that day. All of God's promises are true. At the present time, the Bible says that there's a partial blindness on the part of the people of Israel. You know, many are saved, and they're in of our churches. We've got Jewish friends. We've got Jewish people in our churches. But there will be a time, and I believe it's after the church is translated, after the church is taken up to heaven, that, that God will turn his attention back to the people of Israel. And he'll demonstrate to the people of Israel that Jesus is truly the Messiah. You know, there's a scripture verse in the book of Hebrews that's, that's, a, uh, that's appropriate for both Gentile and Jew alike. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 15 says, As it has been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. You know, it's not only the people of Israel that can have a hard heart. We also can have a hard heart. We need to pray that God would soften our heart so that we could see with our eyes, understand with our mind, and believe in our heart that Jesus is the Messiah and he's coming back for us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. So, Father God, we want to thank you, Lord. Thank you for who you are. You've been listening to Faith Dialogue with Pastor Ken Baer, recorded live at Celebrate Seniors, a ministry of Faith Dialogue. You can listen to or watch all of the recordings at Faith Dialogue by going to www.faithdialogue.org.